Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 1, 1 through 17, called The Gracious Credentials of the King. Abraham was told, from your body, from your loins, you're going to have all these descendants and all the nations of the world will be blessed. And Abraham was like, well, Lord, I just want to inform you on current events. I'm a senior citizen and I don't have any kids. How is this going to happen? One from your own body will come, I promise you. Well, you know that Abraham and Sarah tried to speed up the plan of God and they got a Egyptian handmaid involved and Ishmael was born and there were issues. And then finally, the son of promise came. His name is in verse two, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are known as the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. Abraham started it. It started with Abraham. God started it, but through Abraham. And then Isaac was born. Isaac, the Jews would say, Isaac, his name means laughter. And, and he brought laughter and joy. And he was born to people who were 190. I don't know what kind of vitamins they were taking. <laughs> but, but it was obviously a supernatural work of God. The son of promise arrived. But then something happened when he was probably a teenager. God said, now I want you to take that son, the son that you love, your only son. And I want you to take him to a mountain that I will show you. And offer him to me as a burnt offering. Can you imagine? What? But Abraham obeyed. And they went out. And you know the story. He took his son up there. And Isaac began to ask questions like, Okay, I see the wood. I see the fire. But where's the sacrifice? You the sacrifice, boy. <laughs> right? And, and he had the knife over his son. And the angel of the Lord stopped him. Genesis 22. And said, Don't, don't take his life. Now I know that you fear me. And a proclamation was made up on Mount Moriah where the Messiah would die for the sins of the world 2,000 years later. The son of promise would die on the cross for us. That son was spared. And he said, in you, because you've obeyed in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And from Isaac came a son named Jacob. Now Jacob was not the firstborn because twins were born in the womb. And they were fighting, remember? In the womb. And the first one to come out was Esau. And he was red. (laughs) They called him Big Red. Uh, That's what his name means. But it was said that the older would serve the younger. And Jacob, the second born, took preeminence by God's choice. And Jacob was renamed to Israel. And Jacob's name means not godly, holy dude. (laughs) He was a conniver. He stole his brother's birthright and blessing. And his brother was about as sharp as a basketball. (laughs) You'll get that in a second if you didn't get it. Because he did it for a bowl of hungry man stew or whatever it was called back in the day. And Jacob connived his way 
But then when he was looking for a wife, he saw this girl named Rachel. And he's like, oh, 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 beat the gates of heaven for her. Uncle Laban, I'll serve you seven years for her. Okay. Seven years went by. It was like nothing. He loved her so much. And on the wedding night, he's with her. She's got a veil on. But it turns out that old Uncle Laban was also a conniver. He connived the conniver. Because he snuck in his older daughter named Leah, who wasn't as pretty. <laughs> and Jacob realized, what role? <laughs> That's not the girl. And so Uncle Laban said, well, you give me another seven years, I'll give you the one that you want. And Jacob served 14 years for these two women. And let me just tell you, the story of these two women would make a Jerry Springer episode <laughs> probably a good month's worth of episodes. These two ladies fought and jockeyed for position and one wanted kids and the other one was able to bear kids because she was unloved. And, and then there were handmaids as well. And by the time you work it all out, Jacob had 12 sons through four women. That's the holy family of Israel. And you're like, what? <laughs> yep. That's it. This, these names bring out these truths that God uses broken people because we're all broken. Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. And if I recollect correctly, the fourth of them was named Judah. He's in verse two, the very end of the verse. You might ask, why does he come up in the family tree of Jesus? Because Judah is the line of kings. Let's take a look at uh, Genesis 49 in our Bibles. Genesis 49. If you have trouble finding Genesis, we have counseling set up for after the service. <clears throat> so Jacob is at the end of his life, and the Lord has been his shepherd all of his life. Despite the twists and turns, the ups and downs, the mistakes that Jacob made. And this is somewhat cultural. The dad, thinking that he was on his deathbed, would call the family in, almost like we would surround a loved one who might be in their last days. And he prophesied over them. This is something much more unique to this context. And here's what happened. Jacob summoned 49.1 of Genesis, his sons. He said, assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. He's going to prophesy Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity, preeminent in power, but uncontrolled as water. You shall not have preeminence, notice, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. You can see the line of Simeon here. And we can have the order of the sons being born to Leah. Levi is the Levitical line, the line of the priest. They're brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their council. Let not my glory be united with their assembly. Because in their anger they slew men. And in their self-will they lamed oxen. Skipping down to verse 8, here's the one that we're focusing in on. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Judah's 
Judah does mean praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion who dares rouse him up. We have learned in our Bibles that Jesus is the lion and the lamb. He's the lion from the tribe of Judah. That's where that imagery comes from. And from this prophecy. And Jacob is prophesying over Judah. And he says something very important. He says, the scepter, that's the king's scepter, shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff, think of kingship here from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Shiloh is a bit debated, but it means probably tranquility and peace coming from the idea of shalom. But Shiloh also means to the one to whom it belongs. You'll, if you look it up in lexicons, that w- that's what you'll primarily see. The one to whom it belongs. The one to whom the scepter belongs will show up. He will be our peace. And when he comes, he will rule and reign. Obviously, this is going to be fulfilled finally in his second coming. But he is the king and he comes from the line of Judah. He has a priesthood, but that priesthood is not from Levi. It's the priesthood of Melchizedek. It's a forever priesthood, but he's from Judah. He's the lion who will rule forever. And way back in Genesis, in fact, in Genesis chapter 3, we already have the the pre-evangel talking about Messiah coming. But now in Genesis 49, the specifics of the tribe, David to Judah, Jesus Christ will come from the line of kings and he will receive our praise because he's worthy of it. Now, as you turn back to Matthew 1, let me tell you just a little bit about Judah. Judah, when Joseph was thrown in the pit, you remember his brothers were mad at him. They were jealous of him because he had a cool leather jacket that they didn't get, you know, at Christmas. And so they were mad. So he came out to visit his brothers one day and they said, ah, there he is. Let's take his jacket. (laughs) Loose translation. And let's kill him. And it was Judah who said at that moment, no, let's not kill him. What value will that be to us? We'll sell him. So Judah was the one that had the idea of selling Joseph into slavery. What a great brother, huh? Let's make a little money off of it too. And we'll send him into slavery. Now, God was behind all of it. God was orchestrating it together for good. In verse three of Matthew one, to Judah were born Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Let me just tell you this story really quickly. So Judah had three sons and one of them was named Ur. He had a bit of a stuttering problem. Uh, every now and then he would just go, Ur, uh, Ur. <laughs> Sorry, didn't work at first service and it didn't work now. (laughs) So Ur marries this Canaanite woman named Tamar. She's a Gentile. It's unusual to have female names in genealogies. It's rare, but not unprecedented. But to have Gentile females in a family tree or a genealogy is extremely rare. It would be, in fact, shocking. When you read genealogy, you usually see the father of this one, the father of that, the father of this one. But in this genealogy, not only are there women, which we do see sometimes in, in the Bible, 
but they're Gentile women. You know that Pharisees used to pray, Lord, thank you this morning that you didn't make me a woman. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners. And be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app, available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Get, you know, at Christmas, and so they were mad. So he came out to visit his brothers one day and they said, ah, there he is. Let's take his jacket. (laughs) Loose translation. And let's kill him. And it was Judah who said at that moment, no, let's not kill him. What value will that be to us? We'll sell him. So Judah was the one that had the idea of selling Joseph into slavery. What a great brother, huh? Let's make a little money off of it too. We'll send him into slavery. Now, God was behind all of it. God was orchestrating it together for good. In verse three of Matthew one, to Judah were born Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Let me just tell you this story really quickly. So Judah had three sons and one of them was named Ur. He had a bit of a stuttering problem. Uh, Every now and then he would just go, Ur, uh, Ur. Sorry, didn't work at first service and it didn't work now. (laughs) So Ur marries this Canaanite woman named Tamar. She's a Gentile. It's unusual to have female names in genealogies. It's rare, but not unprecedented. But to have Gentile females in a family tree or a genealogy is extremely rare. It would be, in fact, shocking. When you read genealogy, you usually see the father of this one, the father of that, the father of this one. But in this genealogy, not only are there women, which we do see sometimes in in the Bible, but they're Gentile women. You know that Pharisees used to pray, Lord, thank you this morning that you didn't make me a woman, a Gentile, or a dog. That was a daily prayer of the religious leadership of Israel. And then they read the genealogy of the Messiah. And what do they see? Gentiles, who they thought were dogs. And they're women. And Tamar. So here's what happened. Judah, his son Ur, was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord took him out. And in that day and age, they had what was called the Leveret Law. The Leveret Law was not about Levi's. It was basically a family um, commitment that if your brother married a girl, let's say you were the younger brother, and he died without having offspring, if you were single, you were supposed to marry her to give offspring to your brother's name. So the second brother, the child of Judah, marries the girl to fulfill the law, but he doesn't fulfill his duty. 
and God killed him as well. <laughs> All God's people said, yikes, <laughs> right? So there's a third son left. He's the youngest. And Judah starts thinking, you know, this girl's bad for business. <laughs> Two of my kids are dead. I don't know what she's putting in the oatmeal. But, but I'm not sure I want to give my youngest to her. So he puts it off and puts it off. So she realizes he's not going to fulfill the duty as the father-in-law. So she took off her uh, widow's garments of mourning and she dressed like a prostitute standing on a street corner. This is the Bible, folks. In the line of Jesus. And Judah came walking by. And he said, hey. And she went, hey. (laughs) That's from the Michael Lance translation. And I'm giving you the Bible. He said, how much? And she said, well, a goat. (laughs) And he said, all right. And he was with her sexually, impregnated her, and he didn't know it was his daughter-in-law. Now, at the time, she said, well, you don't have the goat with you, so how how are you going to guarantee me that I get the goat? So he gave her his seal and his staff and one other thing. And they were together, and he thought she was a prostitute. And we won't even comment on all that stuff right now. And she gets pregnant. So three months go by, and Judah hears that Tamar is pregnant. And Judah knows that Tamar doesn't have a husband. And so he goes, hey, uh, she, that's wrong. Uh, She's being sexual outside of marriage. It's it's adultery. It's fornication. She's going to be burned. So they're going to burn her. But the day came... And Tamar sent a message to her father-in-law and said, uh, the father of the child is the man to whom these things belong. And she sent the staff and the seal over, and he went, <laughs> jaw-dropping event, because the father-in-law was the daddy. And he said in Genesis 39, she is more righteous than I am. Because I withheld my son from her, so she made something happen through seduction and obviously, you know, lies. And Judah becomes the father of these kids in the line of the Messiah. Now I will say, Judah did mature and grow up some and became a leader. And to Tamar, you have... Uh, Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron, Ram. These names, uh, and to Ram was born Aminadab. This is verse 4 to Aminadab, Nishan. It appears that from Hezron in verse 3, Ram and Aminadab, it covers the 400 years of the Egyptian bondage for Israel. And Ram is where they got the name for that Dodge truck as well, in case you were wondering. And to Nashon was Salmon, verse 5. To Salmon was born Boaz by a woman named Rahab. Now here's another Gentile woman in the genealogy of the king. Who is Rahab? Well, Rahab was a prostitute who lived in a place called Jericho. And after Israel left Egypt through the Exodus... That generation died off and the next generation was going to go into the promised land. And the first 
place that they had to take was Jericho with those huge impenetrable walls and the little French peas at the top, if you're a VeggieTale fan, throwing slushies on people who came near their wall. <laughs> if you haven't seen it before, you should watch it. Because the French peas famously sing, keep walking, but you won't knock down our wall. Keep walking, but she isn't going to fall. It's plain to see your brain is very small. To think walking will be knocking down our wall. Thank you. I do parties <laughs> for three easy payments. We could talk later. You're like, no, you'd have to pay me. <laughs> I feel you. So here's this lady named Rahab. And here's what happened. Spies went to spy out the area of Jericho. And uh, the, the people of the of the city sniffed it out and they were looking for these guys and Rahab hid them. And she said, look, we've been hearing about the terror of you and your mighty God and here's all I want. I'm going to hide you, but I want you to preserve me and my family when you take this, this area. And they agreed and she hung the scarlet cord, remember? She had a house up on the wall and she was preserved and she's in Hebrews chapter 11 as a woman of faith Rahab the prostitute, because Jesus Christ is a friend of tax gatherers, prostitutes, and sinners. He came to save the lost, and they were drawn to him because of his grace. They weren't the only people, of course. And so there's a little question among scholars about the timing of Rahab to Boaz. Just something to remember that Matthew's genealogy is selective. There are some gaps in it, and this is typical of genealogies. You might move, for example, from a great-grandfather to a uh, great-grandson without the middle gaps being filled in. Many genealogies are selective. They're not detailing every single generation, and there's reasons for that. Maybe that's what's going on with Rahab, because there seems to be about a century gap to make it make sense that Boaz comes from her. Boaz is the famous man in the book of Ruth who was known as the kinsman redeemer. And you remember Naomi and Ruth came back to Bethlehem. Their life was a disaster. And they had nothing. They had lost everything. And it was Boaz who ultimately steps in and redeems them, redeems everything really uh, to bring these ladies back to where they needed to be. And a child was born uh, through Ruth, and his name was Obed. And to Obed was born Jesse. This is where Matthew is taking us, because Jesse, verse 6, was the father of David. And very important for you to mark that David is called David the king. Because what Matthew is trying to establish is the kingship and the credentials. Of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to The Gracious Credentials of the King, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. 
Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Our next 633 event is called The Deconstruction of Christianity with very special guest speaker, Tim Barnett. Tim is an apologist with Stand to Reason. He does a great job moving across the country U.S. and Canada, speaking to thousands each year. He's great with younger audiences like high school and young adults, but really for all ages. This is a hot topic right now in the church and in the culture, deconstructing Christianity. And Tim is going to give us clarity on the topic. It's happening October 22nd at both our morning services, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. It's right off the 91 freeway and Lincoln Avenue, to get information and driving directions, go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Bring out a, a group. Bring out some teens from your youth group, young adults. It's going to be a very important morning. Walkintruth.com. We'll see you here. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 1, 1 through 17, called The Gracious Credentials of the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.